Today's show is brought to you by Lightning Pod. If you have a podcast, you know that it's a lot of work. But Lightning Pod can help. We've been working with their founder, Eric Johnson, for more than a year now, and he's really helped us take the Smart Home Show to the next level. So if you're starting a new podcast or you want to make your existing podcast better, you should get in touch with Eric. Learn more at lightningpod.fm. Hey, everyone. This is Adam. First of all, I wanted to wish you a happy new year and thank you for listening to The Smart Home Show. This episode is our annual end-of-year fireside chat that Richard and I have with Seth Johnson from the Home Tech Podcast. It was a fun conversation and a great way to wrap up the year. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to the 7th Annual Technology.fm Fireside Chat. I am here once again with colleagues from TechFM, including Adam Justice. Adam, hello. Hi there. And... I don't have a fire going. Yeah, neither do I. It's, it's not very safe in my office. <laughs> Seth Johnson, Hello. How are you? I, I also do not have a fire going in my, in my, in my, I don't have a basement. I have a garage, which is technically the same thing. It's like a Florida basement. All right. Well, earlier in your Slack thread, I think I used the fire emoji. So that's my fireside. I also don't have a fire going, but this is our virtual fireside chat. How about that? Well, we do this Every year we get together and we talk about what happened in the smart home over the past year, give our predictions for next year, and we'll go ahead and get started. But first, I want to make sure everybody gets to know who we all are. Adam, why don't you go first? Adam Justice, CEO of ConnectSense and uh, co-host of The Smart Home Show, which Richard and I took over from Mike Wolf couple years ago now yeah yeah all right and seth yeah i'm seth johnson uh host of the home tech.fm uh, podcast eh, what is a usually a weekly podcast although towards the end of this year has begun to be bi-weekly and maybe once a month i don't know I, i'm i'm looking forward to getting back into the swing of things next year because i know that the uh, ces in, in january is going to bring us so much news of new products to talk about i'm so excited right Hmm. Don't don't be don't be uh, sad about your schedule. Richard and I record monthly ish. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right, exactly. And I'm Richard Gunther with the Digital Media Zone, and I used to write a lot more over at the Digital Media Zone, and I used to podcast a lot more over at the Digital Media Zone. But I do podcast, as Adam mentioned, with him as the co-host of the Smart Home Show, and Home On is coming back. It is not gone. It's just been on a very long life hiatus. But with that behind us, let's jump into it. So we answer a couple questions each year. The first is, what is, to you, the biggest smart home story of the year? And Adam, why don't we start, why don't we start this one with you? I feel like this is going to be a big topic of this show in general, but to me working in this space, the big story here is just kind of a holding pattern around matter. I feel like everybody 
matter moved forward this year, which is really good. You know, at one time, the timeline was they were going to have product shipping by the end of the year. And then uh, a couple months back, they rolled that back and said, nah, maybe not. So I'm sure at some point somebody had a, you know, a goal line of being able to show shipping products by CES. And that clearly wasn't happening. So I do feel like it's holding things up and, and the... The industry can't move forward until matter is out. The good news here is that we got announcements from all the major players, Apple, Amazon, Google, Samsung, all kind of pledging their allegiance to matter, showing their support. So to me, that was the most important thing that happened in this space this year, because ultimately those you know key players all have to agree on a specification and ratify that spec for this to actually ship so good progress go csa but still a little bit more to get it over the finish line and we'll talk about that more later i'm sure yeah you know it's shocking to me just absolutely shocking that a group that includes the thread group as one of its core participants has somehow managed to miscalculate how long it's going to take to ratify a standard. Yeah. I mean, thread took years to, I mean, I feel like thread took, I don't know, five, six, seven years to really come to fruition. So I hope that's not the case with matter. I certainly hope that's not the case because by the time thread actually came out, nobody cared anymore. Yeah. Well, they're going to care because it's a key part of matter now. Which is the same thing as Thread, right, guys? No. <laughs> no! <laughs> Let's not get into that on this. But with Seth being the next voice you heard, how about if you hit this one up next? I, I do think that Matter is uh, is is going is it was a great uh, conversation piece to have this year, and it's it it felt like to me it felt like the the industries and the people that were involved with it wanted to take their time. And I'm, I'm personally, I'm just glad that they're not trying to rush something out the door. It it really, that that's, that's what we don't need. We don't need to have, Oh, one more standard. Oh, it doesn't do X, Y, and Z. Why didn't they think about that? How dumb. And then everybody, well, we'll just make a new standard and move on to the next one. If they, if they take their time and of course it was called chip at the end of last year. Now it's called matter. Now, and if they rebrand it one more time, maybe they'll they'll have it. But I, I couldn't agree more that you it's so important to get it right and stumbling out the gate would be the worst thing to happen. I know it's a totally unrelated example, but I'm also a, a gamer in my spare time and what was it? In 2019 or whatever, when they showed off Halo at E3, like everybody freaked out. It looked terrible. And they decided to kick it out a year. And what, you know, what ended up happening was they shipped a phenomenal game that's super well polished. And it's just a good example of, you know, taking some extra time to get something right. You can get it so right. And this is definitely, I couldn't agree more that... I'd much rather them take their time, get it right, get everybody on the same page, then rush something out and have somebody, if one of those major players pulled out, that would be really bad. So I'd rather they take their time and do it, do it right. Yeah. And I, I feel like as well, the, the 
ideas and messaging behind what this is going to be are finally getting down to the I wouldn't say the public. <laughs> I would say more of the smart home nerds. We've been hearing about this for a while and kind of as a, a nebulous idea or a working group or something that they were talking about doing. But having, you guys did a great show a few weeks, months, months back, I guess. Time doesn't matter right now. That, that kind of went over all of the parts and pieces that could be in a matter system. And I, I from coming from the pro side, I'm like, okay, it looks like a pro system now. Like we have a device that is hooked up to a high speed internet connection that talks to high, uh, low latency devices that just need to send little information signals around. We have video cameras that hook up over Wi-Fi and that kind of thing. And they are able to communicate out to the cloud and, and, and you have a unified setup process, no matter where you buy the product from. It just matters. Oh, it just matters who you who you buy your hub from who you want your the the central processing unit basically to be and i think that's a that's a great thing especially for people who want to get involved with the with the smart home and may go down the road of setting up an amazon products ecosystem and say oh well maybe i want to go with google and it's harder now to switch over it's not that terribly hard if you kind of like buy the right products but it would be nice if all products that conform to that uh, specification would make it easy for people to move around. And I, I, I'm hoping that will help with the acceptance of this product because it's it's still not exactly what I think John Q. Public is looking for. It's it's still a very tough road to get involved with the smart home these days, unfortunately. I guess that leads to a good question I have for you, Seth. If, if matter fulfilled all the promises that everybody thinks it could fulfill and it is that good does that worry you at all in the pro space that it chews into what what pros would do or it just gives another kind of thing for pros to hook on to not not particularly to me for two reasons one is like the the raising all ships thing that jason usually got that phrase a lot better than I did. But uh, the, the second part is, is the pro side and the pro channel product really needs a swift kick in the rear to catch up with a lot of these products. We, we, we've seen stagnant product lines for a number of years now, even from the more progressive ones. So they have got to catch up and do what they can. And it would be nice to see their product lines actually support something like Matter where you could have you know, integration with a Control 4 or a Crestron Home or something like that that brought those devices from Control 4 over into HomeKit. There's some workaround stuff like that, but it would be nice to, to be able to have that just kind of natively built into the main system. And there's really no reason that I can see from uh, the matter standpoint that they wouldn't be able to do that. It's just they have to want to do it first. Yeah. I think you'll always have to what our friend uh, Robert Spivak, sorry if I pronounced your name wrong, Robert, calls like the do it for me. So it's still going to yeah. be fairly complex. It's never going to be so simple that a John Q homeowner is going to be able to just throw it all together. You're going to have to be somewhat technical to be able to do it. So there's going to be people who are will be willing to throw money at it and just say, I want somebody to set this all up for me. And set up the automation, set up the scenes, and just make it work. Right. And so even even if it's very accessible to most people that know their way around technology, that doesn't mean it's going to be accessible to everybody. So I think there's still a huge opportunity for those people that'll want somebody to step in and, and help them. 
absolutely, and that takes care of the the entry level and mid mid range systems fairly quickly. When you get to the super high end stuff, you know, fit and finish stuff, you're, you're installing those systems, and then the client looks around and says, "Well, why can't I do this?" <laughs> and that's a big that's a big problem, I think, for the luxury brands that are out there right now. I think they really have to step up their game and get involved with kind of integrating down market into these matter type systems where. And just meet the clients halfway or meet somebody halfway. Being in this, I'm looking at one, I'm thinking about one uh, particular manufacturer that, that it just they like everything in a, in a walled garden and, and siloed off from the rest of the world. And integrating with them is near impossible. And that, that isn't going to speak well for the future, especially if DIY product all kind of gets their act together and it's all universal. I buy it off the, and it works like it's supposed to. I, th- I still think we're going to have issues with, bad product, right? Like there's somebody's going to make a bad product that has the matter stamp on it and people are going to get upset when something doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. That's sort of my concern too, is that if you democratize everything, then it just becomes a race to the bottom. And if it's a race to the bottom, then you're going to have bad product that's flaky and doesn't work well. And you have to, you have to find a way to, for people to provide value too. So I think it's really important for manufacturers to still find out what is our thing that we're going to do really well. And some of those really basic things, yeah, those are going to become just commoditized, but for kind of your key products and experiences, I think you got to have some differentiation there. And I think that's actually one of the things that excites me for like our, our main voice ecosystems is hopefully it will light a fire under each of them to differentiate and provide what, what do you do better? What do you do different? And what do you bring to the table that makes you the, the voice assistant I'm going to use? Yep. Right. I think we saw a little bit of, out of Google and Amazon this year on that. Not so much out of Apple. Yep. <laughs> Series there. But uh, Google and Amazon clearly have a vision of what their products can do uh, it, or want, want to do in the future, at least as far as like true automation is concerned. Okay, well, I'm doing a very bad job of keeping us on the rails. So (laughs) how about if now, Seth, you give your impression of the biggest smart home story of this past year? I I think it's especially coming from the pro side, and I I think it's definitely affected consumers. It's it's supply chain. Like, that is... That is the story that kind of started off slow because everybody had inventory. But towards the end of the year here, uh, I've seen people who are trying to build homes that can't buy washers and dryers. I can't buy... uh, I went to Home Depot the other day to buy cut-in boxes. And I needed like two of these little orange Carlon cut-in boxes. Can't get them. They just don't exist. The whole, the whole, the shelf is empty. It's all gone. So yeah, just weird stuff like that and construction supplies and, and... I I know that there are a lot of like audio amplifiers and AV equipment that are just just extremely hard to come by right now. And I, from all that I'm reading and all that I understand, like this looks like it's going to be continue to be a problem through maybe 2023 is the last number I heard. But man, it, I I have to say that's been the biggest story for us this year. And I I I have to wonder next year as we move in to an, an all new year with companies that don't have anything to sell. Like how long are those companies going to be able to last? Like you, you have to sell product to make money. And if yeah. there's no product in stock, that's a big problem. Right. Well, right. And that's the thing that is kind of interesting to me is that the supply chain 
problem is kind of the the trickle down from a confluence of events that have occurred and now you've created this kind of negative feedback loop with the supply chain itself that it the, things are getting worse now they're not getting better and even as they're trying to correct the problems getting stuff onto the shore they're actually slowing down the process of getting stuff off of ships and so it it's just been a problem like nobody has really dealt with before what's the trickle down from that right you're you're talking about stores that aren't going to make money you write software for people who install systems that they may not be able to acquire or they may not be able to complete so they can't install that's that's been one one of one of the drivers I released this year was for a commercial Yamaha mixer to be integrated with Control Four, and it was supposed to be kind of like a flagship driver for us. <laughs> we did a lot of work on it and priced it accordingly, and the we I think we sold the last one off of our shelves sometime in the end of July, and Yamaha is saying that we're going to see them show back up in for sale in I think Q1 in January sometime maybe. But that's that's always it's always a maybe, and we we spend all the time working on a driver, and then all of a sudden, well, there's no product to install the driver with. <laughs> it's 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 wild. I can speak on this a little bit because I live this every day. Yeah, I mean everything I'm seeing it indicates that this is going to be with us probably for most of 2022 maybe easing up in Q4 2022. It's such a complicated, I mean, you guys commented on some of the aspects of it. It's such a complicated problem and so many intricate parts to it. And you mentioned like AV receivers. One of the things I heard, because we put in a home theater in my, my dad bought a lake house this year. There was a plant that built chips for AV receivers in Japan that burnt down like burnt to the ground. So on top of everything else you have going on, you have a major supplier that, you know, out of bad luck or whatever, the the plant burns down and then you're just adding more gas, (laughs) gas to the fire. Maybe that's a bad analogy in that case, but it just, you have all these other forces at, at bay. So yeah, it's a challenge. And the, the hard part is, if it's not one thing, it's another. I heard about in automotive that at one point they solved the chip thing and then they were having a foam shortage so they couldn't make seats. So, I mean, that's a lot of what we're seeing in electronics is like we may have all the parts except for one critical component. And when you go to a manufacturer, they won't even put you on the schedule until you have the entire kit of parts. You know, one little resistor or something can hold up an entire build. And somebody in this industry didn't like me comparing it to the toilet paper shortage, but it's kind of like the toilet paper shortage in that when people start freaking out that, hey, lead times are increasing, lead times are increasing, then people start buying more and placing more orders, which cause lead times to increase and go out. So that's a lot of what we're dealing with. And it, it's just going to be part of reality for at least the first half of next year. Yeah. I think that foam shortage actually came because we're seeing the same thing with construction foam, like for foaming your house. I think that shortage came from the uh, the the cold Texas winter that shut down a bunch of chemical plants. So it w- wasn't just like one. It wasn't just like COVID and and everything. It, it's is this fire? It's natural disasters. It's water shortages in Taiwan. Like it's 
all sorts of stuff that is just kind of all hit at once in a perfect storm, so to speak, I guess. I, unfortunately, like it, it's, it hasn't, it hasn't been a fun year. <laughs> I'm sure for the manufacturers to put the products together and uh, definitely for installers who are trying to get the products, you know, into people's hands who, who have money that to spend on them. It just hasn't been a fun year. I guess my message to listeners in general, and I think this is just true in the world right now, just be patient with people, whether it's at a restaurant, whether it's at a store or suppliers or whatever, like people are doing their best and it's hard out there for everybody right now. And, you know, just give people a little grace and know that assume the best intent that they're trying to do it. And, and and kind of roll with it as best as you can. But I know it's not fun, and we all would like our our gadgets and gizmos and things like that. But it's it's the world we live in right now, and everybody's just trying to do their best to adapt to it. Yeah, I'd like to take this time also to thank my podcast listeners <laughs> who've been extremely patient with my release schedule this year. Yeah, yeah, same. Okay, so (laughs) my answer to this one is, I think, a repeat of things that we've talked about in the past. And that is that this year we saw even more consolidation and in some cases shutdown in the industry and not necessarily COVID related. These are this is just the the industry consolidating the industry growing up. Some of it is a little bit questionable like this this the biggest one that i can think of this year is asa abloy the company from europe that owns yale locks and they at one point had acquired august as well they now have acquired quickset and baldwin so with the exception of schlage they basically own all the locks which makes me wonder what has happened exactly to our SEC and FTC? Do they just not do anything anymore? Richard, would you say they have this market under lock and key? <laughs> oh, that's so good and bad at the same time. Wow. Wow. Now, if we could just get to one keyway, I'll be really happy. But that's never going to happen, even if they're all owned by the same company, sadly enough. Yeah, I would say you can be uh, confident that Allegiant, who owns Schlage, is a pretty large company themselves. So I don't see them gobbling them up as well. So they'll they'll be two, two giants. Yeah. Yeah. Now... One lock company that they didn't get is Level. Level makes that lock that kind of goes in the inside of your existing hardware. They also have their own lock that does have hardware on the exterior of uh, your home. And they, they've done something really interesting. They acquired a company that does smart apartment technology. And that seems like an ideal pair-up for a company like Level. What has my eyebrow going up is that it's odd to me that that acquisition didn't happen the other way around. But nonetheless, this is a great market for them to get into, I think. And then probably the biggest surprise for everybody from an acquisition perspective this year was Ecobee getting purchased by Generac, the people that make generators and sell power packs for your garage i didn't 
see this coming at all. Yeah, I thought this was an interesting acquisition. I don't know. The, the smart thermostat space, to me, has been pretty boring. And we haven't seen any new like innovation. I mean, maybe there isn't that much to do there. But I kind of want them and Nest to like duke it out and come up with better products. I would gladly replace my old Ecobee 3 on the wall, but I don't really see any reason to. So hopefully maybe getting a new home at Generac, they'll start to think more broadly and come up with some other solutions around Ecobee and, and how they can provide some innovation there. Yeah, One thing when you see a traditional market like this with with everybody getting acquired, it, it, it it's it's exciting, but it also speaks to that the, the market is shrinking a bit and getting smaller. So I, I think we kind of have to keep any anytime you hear like these these big companies acquiring each other, it, it really just to me it also there's a red flag there that says something's off. There's there's not that much room for like you said innovation. Like what's the difference between an Ecobee and a Nest thermostat? I don't really know these days. Maybe the look. Like Ecobee has been trying to do weird things. Like they have they're the first ones to get. Uh, Siri on device, I guess, kind of, I'm going to put on device in quotations because it really yeah. just means it streams over the audio to a home pod to do the heavy lifting. Yeah. But that's okay. But they've been trying to do stuff with their product line to keep it fresh and keep it updated. And, and, and that's great, but it still, it, it just looks like after two to three years of all these major acquisitions and consolidations, it's like we're just getting smaller. And, and, and especially in the pro world, we have one company that is just a massive distributor for everything. And they want to be kind of like, well, I guess you could go on the, on the other side of this. You have Amazon. Like it's one company that's just this massive re- re- fulfiller and retailer for, for so many things. So it, it's interesting to, to see all this stuff happen, but I just kind of have to worry about the market getting smaller it, 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 where's the where's the buying power going to come from if there's only like two options in the future all right well let's move on to our next question and this one's kind of fun i like this one what is your one favorite product or service of the year now it doesn't necessarily have to be something that came out this year but this year it was your favorite product or service. I'll kick this one off. For me, my favorite thing is something that I didn't want to have to spend the money on to buy because I think it's overpriced. So I got it for Christmas last year. And that is the Hue Sync Box. This is the device that allows your television and the images on your television to drive what's happening with your color hue lights in and around your television. So in in your family room or TV room or theater or just with light bars that you might have around or even behind your television, this does all the magic of making your room kind of mirror the feel of the scene that you're watching. And I love this thing. I think it costs like $230 or something like that which just struck me as ridiculous because it's basically an HDMI switch and then it does the same thing that you can buy or that you can get free software from Philips Hue on your desktop to do. So there's a processor in there, sure, but the technology behind it is not 
that new or even innovative because Philips has been doing this for literally decades. They had a television that had lights behind it that did this called the Ambilight over 10 years ago, and it never really took off. Now, this is kind of seeing its day. It's phenomenal. I love it. I wish it were easier to turn on and off. I wish I could just have it tied into like a scene in my, uh, let's say my watch TV scene that I have through Siri, I'd love to be able to tie this into that and have it turn on and off appropriately. Can't do that yet, but otherwise, I think this is an amazing device. And if you want to splurge on something, this is definitely splurge worthy. It does look fun. I will say it does look fun. I don't know. The price is just so up there. (laughs) <laughs> we always say that Richard and I are expensive friends. So, sorry, listeners, we're expensive podcasts to listen to. <laughs> yes. Yes. Just wait, it gets worse when we talk about mine. <laughs> okay, well, let's go there then, Adam. So, uh, late entry, because I just got this in the last month. It was going to kind of be a Christmas present, and then we were like, this is too many boxes, so let's just put it on early. So I had been eyeing this for a while and finally pulled the trigger on Black Friday on the 8Sleep Pod Pro mattress cover. So 8Sleep sells like a mattress just like everybody else that has some sleep technology to it. And I'll get into that in a minute. But they also sell this version if you already have a mattress that you're fine with. And and we have a sleep number bed, so I don't want to replace my mattress where you can add the technology onto your existing mattress. What does 8Sleep do? So it has this sensor grid that goes on your bed with a bunch of kind of health sensors. So it's monitoring your heart rate, your breathing rate, Uh, a bunch of other things. And then the interesting thing it does is it has this little pod that sits next to your bed that has water in it. And it's using water that runs through the, the mattress pad thing to heat and cool your body to get ideal sleep. Sounds gimmicky, sounds hokey. This thing is legit. I like I've been a sleep tracker for a long time. I wear my Apple Watch to bed. I'm getting better deep sleep than I have in a long time. It it like cools your body at night to get you to sleep and then it adjusts your temperature to keep you in like a, a deeper sleep. And then it'll actually warm up in the morning at your desired like time to the point where you're like, I need to get out of this bed. And so it just like gradually wakes you up and you're like <laughs> I mean, you can make it uncomfortable if you want to, but it at least like you're you're wide awake and like eh, time to get up. So in in our kind of week and a half, two weeks of doing this, I'm super impressed. I know one of the guys that works there is an ex August guy, but I, I sleep is really important, and I think it's one of those health things that people are just starting to clue into, and it was something my wife and I wanted to do better with and be more consistent and so far i'm i'm really impressed so if you thought richard's sink box was expensive this is a whole nother level but if sleep is important to you and and something you want to focus on you know i like that it has dual sleep zones or dual zones like that that makes sense because there's no way that this would pass muster if if (laughs) if i cranked it down to what what i don't know like 40 degrees to go to sleep. I have no idea. I like to be cold. So yeah, this this would not this would not work. 
uh, in my household if <laughs> it didn't have the dual zones. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it would be cool if you could have some mode like find the ideal mode that humans love and dogs don't, and then I'd make sure that my side is always like that. Well, the key is you just don't ever let the dog sleep with you, Richard. That's yeah. That just I failed. I I, I lost that fight. I lost that fight on a previous <laughs> dog, and then when we got a new dog, I just drew the line in the sand and said, "No, never, ever." And the dog sleeps with my son now. So this is both a, a cover and a mattress, so you can go between. You can go to both. E- either right. way you go. So yeah, I just yeah, I didn't get the mattress. I think it's it's one of those kind of foam mattress yeah. like you can get from a bunch of different places. The real kind of thing there is is what comes in the cover, and so I just got the cover part and put that on my existing mattress. So you can go either way. I had heard some people, some of my Twitter friends that spoke really highly of it, and so I finally decided to pull the trigger, and so far I'm pretty impressed. So we'll see. It's the cost of a MacBook Pro-ish. <laughs> wow okay yes that does, is does your level. macbook pro help you sleep better it does not help me sleep at all it does exactly the opposite <laughs> the opposite yeah all right seth what's on your list at the top of your favorite products i had, I had a tough time with this because i was trying to remember things that had come out this year there really wasn't too much product that was released but we ran across these guys at work and i kind of got one of their starter kits to, to put in my house and I set it up and I, I've kind of enjoyed using it because it, it's one of the products I don't have to deal with. And I like products I don't have to mess with after they're set up. And it's called, uh, let's see what the official name of this company is, just Flare Vent, I guess. Uh, so if you go to flare.co, they have these smart vents. And we've talked about these on our show a number of times, probably way back in the past. And and these seems to be a, a newer iteration on it. The vents run between $89 and $109 each. So Depending on the size of your house and how many vents you need, you you can get expensive. I, I can get into uh, mattress range, but the, the you don't have the good thing is you don't have to do like every vent. You can just start with one or two, and that's that's what I did. I have a mini split in the garage, so I started there, and then I've got one room that I put a vent in, and you have to get the little puck things, which I got right here. It's kind of cool. It's fun to use because it's got an um, e ink display on it, so doesn't use very much battery and kind of hangs off on the side. And once you get everything set up and you hit go, you just kind of tell your house what temperature you want to be at it. And it just does all the math and balances all out. And you don't really have to mess with it anymore. We had one room that gets a lot of cool. And so that's where I put the vent and it'll shut down that room. So the air gets pushed out to the rest of the house rather than just flooding that room with all the cold air that comes out of the AC. So for not so much money compared to like installing a a giant zoned AC system, you you can have a zoned AC system in your house. Thought it was pretty Do, cool. Does it coordinate at all with like a smart thermostat? Yeah, so I have Ecobee and I have the Ecobee thermostat as well, like the the wireless thermostat that comes with them. And both of those, like when you set up your room, you can put that Ecobee thermostat in the master bedroom, say, and that can be what sense of the temperature for the flare vent. So there's kind of some deep integration with that. It's kind of nice. Meaning the Ecobee sensor. Yeah. The Ecobee sensor will yeah. be the thermostat basically for the flare vent in that room. You yeah. don't have to buy their puck thing. Although the puck is nice because it has like the rotary dial that you can just walk up if it's too cold or hot in that room and turn it down. You don't have to 
But does it actually control the Ecobee as yeah. well? Yeah. Yeah. It, okay. It, nice. That's cool. That's something I'd like to see more. Like I was talking to lack of innovation. I'd like to see something more like that from like an Ecobee or a Nest. Yeah. Like that seems like a simple thing they could easily do that would give you a better experience and nothing from them. Right. There. Yeah. It's, it's a fun product. Like I said, after I set it up, I have just left it sitting here. The only only times I've had problems with it was when we had people over and I'm like, it needs to be colder to ramp down the house to have a party or something. You have to ramp down the house to, to get it a little cooler. And I hour or two in there and there's five or six people hanging out and it starts to get warm. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, this thing's fighting me. So go back over and turn the schedule back down. But that's that's really the only issue. It's just my settings. Very cool. Very cool. All right, well, let's move on to our prediction segment. First, we're going to take a look at how we did with our predictions last year for 2021. And, I mean, no big spoilers here, but I don't think any one of us was right on the mark, necessarily. Let's start with you, Seth. You had predicted that this year the... There would be an acceleration of the work-from-home trend, and as a result, more products made for home offices. Well, uh, I, I guess half of that might be right. I don't know. Like, it seems like maybe not acceleration of the work-from-home trend, but, like, people just demanding not to go back to work. <laughs> Continuation? <laughs> Continuation, yeah. <laughs> and and I've seen a fair amount of people... Um, not want to go back into an office like there's been famously the apple employees slash tim cook letters that have gone back in memos that have gone back and forth <laughs> between workers that are you're going to be back in we're, we're planning to return to work and then all of a sudden something else flares up oh it's only three days oh now we'll, we're gonna send you furniture you're gonna you get a thousand dollars to buy a share <laughs> so like it, it it seems to me that like there's something there. I, I do like the work from home solution because you can hire out and, and at least the tools kind of exist still. I don't think they've improved any this year. I haven't noticed any improvement. So I guess like the acceleration didn't happen as much as I thought it was, but also we really haven't seen products being able to exist in this market. Like if you needed a fancy audio system for your new work, like where are you going to get that? Because the receivers don't exist. So it's kind of like chicken and egg situation here. Which one do we get to come first? And do we, do we have fancy new product that we can't build or are we going to go back to the office? I, I don't know. And I think maybe the problem with this prediction was just if it's anything like physical product, like just the timing. So yeah. I think there, are, I've started to see some little gems or peaks of stuff like this, but with chip shortage and things like that, maybe next year is when we're really going to see this, but like, it just takes a long time to build product and it's taking even longer because of the market forces we talked about earlier. So it's coming. I think this was a good prediction. I've seen some interesting stuff in the camera space, which is kind of, that was sort of one of the first things that everybody was freaking out and trying to get webcams. And so it makes sense that that's one of the first ones to kind of start to trickle out new stuff, but I think it'll get there. And I absolutely think working from home is going to continue to be a thing, COVID aside, because people have realized they can be as effective or more effective at home and, and just keep doing it. It's funny because I feel like there were improvements in technology to address this, 
but there are things like Teams finally coming in of its own and becoming a really good, solid product for remote collaboration, finally. I don't know if... I don't know if I'd use the word good. Well, much better than it was when it launched, that's for sure. <laughs> it's gotten better, I, yes. <laughs> I Every time I'm on a Teams meeting, I have some sort of issue. I mean, maybe it's that I don't do it very often, but like it's it's a nightmare for me. But it's just me, maybe. It doesn't crash my computer anymore. That's nice. Well, that's a good start. That's a good start. Yeah, I mean, it has its problems for sure, but I think all the platforms do. Zoom probably gets the mark for being the easiest to use, which, as many organizations learned the hard way, may be a little bit too easy to use. And so it took a while for people to come up on that. The cameras, that was a good thing that we got. We got some new cameras. I have a 4K camera on my computer now. I'm actually using Hue light bars and a shortcut through Apple to be able to trigger them on and off from my desktop, which is kind of nice. So I think you're seeing maybe the adaptation of smart home technology in the office more now than you might have in the past. So, you know, if you interpret it that way, Seth, I'd call it a B. (laughs) Solid B. We need to get, Richard, we need to get you an Elgato Stream Deck. This is this is the way to turn on lights and stuff. Yeah, definitely. Oh, he's got one. Oh, he's got one. <laughs> why, why why don't you have a button for your hue lights on there? Yeah, I, I frankly prefer to just use my mouse because that's where my hand is. It's kind of like why don't you why do you uh, want to use your desktop instead of an app? Because my hand's already on my mouse. I'm working, so I'd rather just do it from my desktop. But yeah. No, it's good stuff. All right, well, I'll go second on this one. My prediction was that Wink would be out of business by the end of the year. Now, we do still have three days left, but (laughs) (laughs) I I think perhaps they, they managed to survive in spite of themselves. At least as far as we know, because nobody's really heard anything from them recently. I, I, well, I thought you had this. I thought you had this in the bag because at the beginning of the year, <laughs> right? They were, the, they were completely offline for like three or four weeks. Like it was like, is this even a thing anymore? They didn't say anything. And then they said, oh, we're, we're sorry. We finally got it back up and going. We we we, yeah. we found the server and hit the reset button on it, and everything came back up and going. But yeah, I thought you had this one in the bag, and then nope, they're here, they're still around. The, the reports of their death are greatly exaggerated. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. All right. So, Adam, similarly. Yeah. So I, I predicted the death of Wise, and uh, they didn't die, but they just got weirder. So this company is still (laughs) amazing to me. The good news is if you need an at-home COVID test, they're your go-to. To to me, the only thing that explains Wise is like, I think maybe one of these... So there's, there's these manufacturers in Asia called ODMs, which is like original design manufacturer. To me, Wise is just like one of these ODMs decided, let's build a brand and market it in the U.S., And because these ODMs will often build a myriad of different products and different kinds of things. And during the pandemic, they made masks or whatever. It's like they just go wherever they can build things. And to me, that's sort of what Wise is like. 
they're sort of in the smart home lane and then they build masks and covid tests and other weird stuff and i know there's some of some of our twitter friends that love to dig in on this stuff and i just think it's so scammy to me so yeah i mean talk about race to the bottom they're definitely a part of this but it feels like they have to keep churning out more and more stuff to stay alive they're just operating on super thin margins and i don't know it's really really strange one to me and they're starting to do things where they're changing their pricing model up a little bit more they're they're looking towards services now where they can offer them they are holding back features that you might consider just standard fare on certain products. And I think their, their new light strips are a good example of this. They have different tiers of the light strips that you can purchase. They're all cheaper than pretty much anybody else's product, but they're keeping back some things and making you pay a little bit of a premium on those. So it is such a strange model. I don't understand it. Didn't they come out with a backpack sometime this past year or something it's sure it's ridiculous probably <laughs> why not why not yeah they have socks i see that they have socks i might actually finally buy those wise socks and and, and maybe a, a covid mask test or whatever and see what we get here uh, just crazy <laughs> just buy i did buy all the random wise stuff that'd be a great yeah. a great gift to send to richard or i <laughs> you're getting a wise car i don't even know what this is but there's a wise car i think i think last year we actually joked about which, that jason and i were going to, to wait for this wise car to come out and thinking that we'd have like a tesla car no this is like some little rc car that you can get then and then you put the wise camera on top and i guess it drives around oh use your phone to drive it around that's amazing there you go okay. Not the car you were thinking. It's a little remote control job. But hey, add to cart. All right. Well, (laughs) you won this round, Seth. You got closer than either Adam or I did. Tell him what he won. He won some wide socks. (laughs) Socks. Yeah. 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 He, He won the opportunity to go first in the next question, which is, what what is your prediction for... 2022 uh well since we have notes and i saw what what you guys had put i had to i, I really don't have much here but I, I i guess i'm going to kind of stick with what we've been talking about with the supply chain issues continuing out uh, i really think that's going to be the big story if not the biggest story next year uh, i really think we're going to see companies i think we may see a, a couple of companies go under because they haven't sold anything or been able to sell anything for months now months so i i'm i'm it's a dire prediction i really don't want to see this like i I would love to see this resolved in some any way possible but man it just real it really feels like we're in in the middle of this right now and i i I don't see an end from from where i sit as to like how we're going to get this stuff manufactured brought over when there's just so many small things along the way that prevent it from happening that adam did a great job of outlining before yeah i know the the good companies that are on top of this are trying to stay well out ahead of it obviously there's forces at play that nobody has control of but i mean some of our customers have put in orders even into 2023 and so that's what but like you said, there are some people like retailers, installers, things like that, that don't necessarily have a hand at that. And they're just kind of left to deal with the repercussions. So 
I feel bad for those who don't have control over it, but I guess know that the, the companies and manufacturers that can are, are doing something about it, and hopefully those ones will survive. I feel like the very, very small companies, like the, the ones with like 10 employees or fewer, are those that might suffer the most in this case, that you need capital to be able to get ahead of it. You need to be able to, to, to really put resources into this, either to maybe pivot or change how you're making money. And all of that takes money. And I, I just don't see that the smallest of the companies out there trying to make it in this space are going to be able to survive that. Yep. That's what I'm seeing too. All right, on that down note, Adam, why don't you turn things around and predict something happy? Yeah, so I think, Richard, you and I both had kind of the same prediction here, but I think hopefully matter's going to finally come to fruition. I expect that we're going to hear a bunch about it at CES. I know the CSA is planning on doing kind of a, a rollout there if, I guess, CES is happening. We definitely won't be there, but... Yeah, I think it seems far enough along that hopefully, knock on wood, we're going to see Matter product in 2022. I know for us, we were kind of been waiting on the sidelines. I've definitely been talking to a lot of people about it and folks in the industry. So we're going to be joining the CSA and probably the Threat Alliance and diving in and, and working on our products and things like that. We had enough fun being early movers on HomeKit and some other stuff. So we decided to wait back a little bit, but it seems like time is now. And this is definitely going to be part of our plans, at least for 2022. You know, we'll, we'll see, but I, I hope to see something by the end of next year. And yeah, so I think that gets into a little bit of what you said here, Richard, so I'll let you go. Yeah, I'll cap that off with my prediction, which is that we will get matter. We'll get the standard and probably some of the first products or updates to existing products to make the matter compatible. But it's going to be messy. I just don't see how we we don't have some fallout from this. Even if that is the confusion in the marketplace that comes from the different ways that companies can implement matter, which I think is going to be hard for a lot of normals to wrap their head around. It's something that we've struggled with, even as we spoke with Jenny Tui, for example, a couple weeks ago or, or months ago, as uh, yeah, it was months, geez. And, and I think when consumers hear that there's a new standard, they're going to expect that, oh, okay, plug and play, it'll all work together. And it's not going to be that simple. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm not doubting it. I think this is important. I think it's good. And I am eager to see companies succeed using this standard. But I think that first year is going to be a little bumpy. A good point to this. This was a conversation that came up on one of our internal slacks. One of our engineers who just bought a home and was working on some smart home stuff was like, how am I going to know what's matter and what's not? And he's like, well, I assume it'll be on the box. 
And then we were talking about, well, but what about existing stuff? And so if there's existing stuff in the market and how are you going to know what existing stuff is upgradable? And like, I think that speaks to some of this mess is like, yeah, probably some of your existing stuff that's IP based is going to be able to upgrade to it. But how will you know? How do you get, how do you do that? What does that look like? I guess that's some of what we're going to figure out, but I I see where that's going to be some of the mess involved in that there probably will be product that will support it, but because of supply chain shortages, they're not going to be able to get out the new version that has the fancy matter logo and yada, yada. So there's going to be a lot of stick stickers on boxes for a little while. I would think. (laughs) Right. I was just thinking that there are companies that are making works with matter or whatever the phrase is going to be stickers so that they got a great product idea. We're going to launch the best works with matter stickers. And we're going to sell them to all the vendors to put on their boxes. Why is this going to make them cheaper? (laughs) You can just buy them on their website, right? Yeah. Yeah. It, (laughs) <laughs> this is going to be a pivot from all those companies that had to make the keep six feet away stickers that went on floors. Well, they're just going to pivot to, to making matter stickers this, this year. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, I, I don't know. I think this was a lot of fun. Even if it did have some down notes, I think we had a, a good year. It was a different year than usual. We're used to seeing a lot more product used to seeing a lot more movement. I don't know that I would look at the slowdown that we saw necessarily as bad for the industry, so much as, again, that confluence of events that um, has occurred that has just made everything really more difficult. But I'm glad we got together. Thank you both. You want to take a moment, Seth, and promote something that you want to promote either your business or your podcast or anything else you might be doing <laughs> yeah well i i'll just promote the podcast hometech.fm is is where you can find out more information on how to listen to the podcast we're in all the major podcast directories that that are out there that i can think of if there's not one i'm i'm not in let me know and uh, i think it's at home tech podcast on twitter although i'm not very active there i do go in and 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 check it i am excited about hopefully we're it seems like there's just a lot of pent-up energy especially in the smart home space so i'm hoping with with matter coming out and with all the other stuff that's just kind of been sitting on the sidelines i'm hoping that we start to see more of that energy be able to be released through 2022 so hopefully we'll have more to talk about as time goes on there's always security i'm just watching that the last password master passwords may have been compromised (laughs) float by on my screen here so there's always security we can fall back on security and streaming services but i i'm really hoping to get hands on time with some new hardware this year cool all right adam you can find me on twitter at adam justice and everything my company's doing at connectsense.com or you can check out our show at the smart home show which is smarthome.fm or wherever you find your podcasts how about you richard we have some we have some good domains there between Home Tech FM and Smart Home FM. Got to like that. All right. Well, you can find some of my stuff out at the Digital Media Zone. There will be more soon because I'm actually planning on 
covering a lot of what's going on at CES. Next week, I will be sequestering, or at least this is the plan, assuming that life doesn't throw us a twist. Josh and I will be getting together and sequestering together to work on CES coverage at the Digital Media Zone. So we're already lining up some meetings with vendors. CES is in the process, or I should say the CTA is in the process of rapidly trying to pivot to allow an additional virtual element of CES. So you can register virtually now. They're probably going to be using the same platform that they did last year, which was pretty terrible. So we'll see how that ends up going. But anyway, looking forward to any news the companies have. And uh, you can find all of that at thedigitalmediazone.com. And we thank all of you for joining us. We hope that you all have a wonderful, wonderful new year in 2022. Happy New Year. Happy New Year.